1: Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the July 16th episode, and as always, we are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I am your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at RandallRand. Today we have the king of swag from PFF, president of the L Patterson Fan Club, which we will get into. Does a fantastic job at PFF, killing it. Great insight, great writer, great podcast host. Ian Harditz. Follow him on Twitter at iHarditz. He's a repeat person coming on the mailbag here, and he's going to get us ready for the 2021 fantasy football season. King of swag. The floor is
2: yours. Appreciate that, man. It's good to be back. We've done a couple of these together now. I always like, uh, you know, your mix of actionable and fun questions uh, here (laughs) in between. So, yeah, man, uh, I'm just pumped that, you know, like you and me, you know, we're doing fantasy all year round. But it seems like everybody now is starting to come around a little bit. And, you know, this time last year, we didn't even know if we were going to have fantasy football. So I'm very happy about where we are in the calendar. Excited to hopefully, you know, get some more fantasy success here in 2021.
1: Totally agree, man. And you've been killing it at PFF. Your podcast is a staple for me. I listen to it each and every week. You watch all the games, put so much time into it. Talk about the last year. Talk about COVID, all that stuff, and how are things going at PFF.
2: Yeah, man, it's been a challenge, you know, for me, just like anyone else out there. But here we are, seemingly on the other side of it, you know, for the most part, at least. But yeah, it, you know, gave me certainly an opportunity to nerd out and just do even less of my social life, and I guess I normally do with, <laughs> uh, you know, all this stuff on the plate. But yeah, man, you know, being at PFF, I've just really loved the, uh, you know, the, the company and everything about it. I'm excited to be uh, spending the foreseeable uh, future here. You know, it's just a uh, pretty. pretty Pretty easy to continue to work hard when everyone else around you is uh, doing the same. But, yeah, man, uh, like you said, I do watch every single game. You know, it's always a grind on the Sundays. Got to tell the girl that, you know, hey, I'll see you Monday pretty much at 9 a.m. on, you know, Sunday morning. But I feel like, you know, I'm blessed enough to have this be my full-time job. Might as well uh, put in the time if I'm able to do it.
1: Yeah, certainly. Dave Cavett asked me how I do the balance with this in college basketball last last week. And I said, it's it's an understanding girlfriend, understanding wife. That's the first <laughs> thing for sure. Well, let's start, man. It's Scott Fishbowl season, Scott Fishbowl 11. Talk to me. How's the team looking so far?
2: Let me pull up the squad. I feel okay about it. I was kind of, you know, maybe I was just being salty on Twitter. I was like, every, like, sources, every single person in Scott Fishbowl is in love with their team. So totally I guess, true. I guess yeah. I'm contradicting my own, uh, you know, fun tweet there because, I don't know. I'm feeling okay. It's uh, you know, as I like to say, anytime I like I'm in a best ball tournament. And the roster's looking iffy. I'm just like, you know, I'm being contrarian here. We got to try to take down first. But I got, a, I went Tyreek and uh, Devontae to start, which mm-hmm. I thought was a little different. Oh, well, actually, I got Christian McCaffrey at 101, so that helps. Should have mentioned that. Um, well, <laughs> ended up ended up going with the old uh, you know anchor RB approach. Kind of my RB two is Damien Harris, who I'm feeling good about. And then we got you know Tony Pollard, Daryl Williams, Smajet Piran. Kenneth Gamewell. Needed to get some luck there. Certainly low on the RBs, but you know that seems to be the hip new thing these days anyway. Uh, Justin Fields, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Baker Mayfield, a quarterback. We got a path to some upside there. You know, I, I, I've loved uh, Fitzpatrick, and I had to really debate myself between uh, Trey Lance and Baker Mayfield, but ultimately I have seen Baker uh, already be a high upside QB1 at the NFL level. I'm very optimistic of what he can do moving forward. Was able to stack Baker uh, with OBJ, who I'm very high on having a nice bounce back yes. this year. Got uh, you know my guy Curtis Samuel, who I was able to do uh, the uh, you know Roto Underworld uh, profile on. And my weak spot that I'm going to need some help with is at tight end, which is unfortunate in a tight end premium league. I do have some quality darts, at least I think that now in July, but we seem to have this issue every year with uh, the late round tight end crew. But I got Blake Jarwin, Adam Troutman, and Johnu Smith. So, you know, I-, I think on paper I'm not looking like the best team uh, in the league per se, but I think we do have a pathway uh, to first a couple things for my way.
1: Yeah, I'm full disclosure here. Team full disclosure, Ian. Last year, I hated my team. I knew it was terrible. I took Matt Ryan in the third round last year because it was the, the super flex. And then no quarterbacks went. So I knew I had messed up. So I have to be real honest with with your teams at all times. But I, But yours is pretty good, man. I like the picks. I'm I'm hashtag wait on tight end guy for sure so you got a couple there and Damian Harris in round seven I think the pendulum man has swung too far where you have to be a rusher to be a good quarterback in fantasy that's not true and God forbid if you're not catching at least 30 40 passes <laughs> as a running back then you are useless I don't think that's the case and I think it's providing value. Ryan Fitzpatrick in round six. I mean, he could go off in Washington and I love the Damian Harris pick. And by the way, Odell Beckham, did he die? I think he's
2: really set up for a bounce back. <laughs> Couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. And the th- extra thing with Damian Harris, like, and it also applies to the 49ers. Like when we were all wondering if Mac Jones was going to go to San Francisco and then for him to come to new England, like that's the biggest blessing that Harris could have asked for. Like Cam Newton was one of the most heavily utilized goal backs in the league, not just a quarterback, Regardless, like just one of the most heavily used goal line players. So if we can get Harris all of a sudden getting those, you know, goal line touches, look the hell out. Let's kick it off, man, with dynasty fact or
1: fiction here. So I want to know which player you'd prefer in dynasty leagues over the next five years. Usually that's a good run for a dynasty league. Get five years out of a player, you're usually pretty happy with the results. Who do you prefer? Let's start at the most important position. You have two QBs here, one who's been here for a year, Jalen Hurts, going to be starting this year in Philadelphia. Or would you go Justin Fields in Chicago? They mortgaged the farm to get up there. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, of course, on the hot seat. Who do you like better in Dynasty, Fields or Hurts?
2: I got Fields uh, for sure. I, look, I feel fine about Hertz this year in 2021. You know, for them to only bring in Flacco as realistic competition, I do think Hertz will have a chance to maybe set the single season QB record for rush attempts, which is exactly what we want in fantasy. The problem is, man, like he was horrendous as a passer by just about any efficiency metric you want to look at last year offensive line receivers certainly played a part in that i just don't think hurts you know has the same sort of overall ceiling at least compared to what fields could bring to the table if he's as good of a prospect as a lot of people seem to think he is so fields you know certainly has that draft capital i think you know the offense he's in is arguably better than philly you know we'll see what nick sirianni is bringing to the table here but yeah to me it's fields just the better overall i think uh just has the better overall ceiling
1: Running backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Kansas City. I think he and everyone jumped off the bus because he got stuffed in game one last year, but certainly he is projected to have a decent touch share in an explosive offense in Kansas City. Or DeAndre Swift in Detroit, lost some weapons, certainly is going to get the volume. Jamal Williams is there, A-back, whatever that means. Who do you like better there in Dynasty, Swift or or CEH?
2: I got Clyde. I just think that, you know, the main issue last year was when they brought in Le'Veon Bell and made that, you know, a three-way committee briefly, and then he gets hurt and COVID at the end of the year. And before they brought in Le'Veon, Clyde was fourth in the league in touches. Now they're talking about expanding his role in the pass game, which was the reason why we, you know, wanted to pick him in the first place. So when he was going as the, you know, RB4 or 5 last year, like, yeah, that was way too intense. And, you know, clearly didn't meet that ceiling. Now he's going much closer to his floor In my opinion, and inside of you know this always explosive Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs offense. So Clyde, we know that the Chiefs are comfortable giving him you know twenty plus carries per game with a good amount of targets, and they felt good enough about him moving forward to not sign another Le'Veon Bell esque back to the equation. So with Swift, we don't know how they feel. I the b back a back quote sure didn't sound great. I mean, they gave Jamal Williams a non insignificant uh, you know amount of money. So I think uh, you know Swift, while you know who would I rather have, you know, building my team as a real life back? I think Swift very well could be better, but in terms of his overall situation, in terms of his touches, it all, the arrow keeps pointing back to Clyde. What about wide receiver? I
1: think one of the key guys for redraft also to handicap correctly is Kenny Galladay has not flashed as the alpha 90 reception 1500 yard guy that maybe the talent is there to say. Now he's with the Giants, gets the big contract. You'll like him or Jalen Waddle down in Miami. There are some other options there, but the draft capital, young player with Tua, Galladay more proven, Waddle certainly younger. What do you think there, Galladay or Waddle?
2: It's a close one, man. I you know, don't have my dynasty ranks in front of me, but these guys got to be pretty much right next to each other. God is going to be 28 in November. I feel like that's yeah. already getting up there, and he's always been – now he, like statistically, has been arguably the single best contested catch wide receiver of the past four years, and you can see it when they play. I mean, it's very clear this guy isn't all that great of a separator. He has some long speed, but it's just – you know, it's not really his game, and I question how that's going to transition – Going from Matthew Stafford, someone who I uh, you know believe is far more underrated and just better than uh, you know a lot of people give him credit for, to Daniel Jones, who might suck, man. You know, we'll see. I, I understand Daniel Jones has some good deep accuracy statistics, and you know, playing with Jason Garrett and that offensive line didn't do him many favors last year. But QB change. Aging, coming off, you know, not great injury. I mean, this guy just hasn't, you know, two two out of his four seasons hasn't been able to hit the uh, twelve game mark. We'll see. I don't. I don't like calling anyone injury prone, but to me, Jalen Waddle, you know, being the you know this younger, like you said, uh, number six overall pick, or whatever the hell he was. I just think that you know his ceiling could be the roof in this offense if he emerges as the number one guy. Which I don't know, man. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be. And you know, with Waddle having the potential to, I think, just be a yak monster and just really, you know, rack up the sort of you you know, the 90 reception ability that you were you know, talking about Galladay lacking. To me, Waddle will be the more fantasy friendly uh, player, I believe, for a longer period of time.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the move. I like Galladay, but I feel like he's been in a pretty friendly situation with Stafford throwing for over 5,000 yards. There's a little uncertainty. But we always have that thing when a wide receiver changes teams. So I think that's a great call as well. Last one, two superior metrics profile tight ends Noah Fan, TJ Hawkinson. I think Fan is a great redraft value. I find him dropping lower and lower. I just missed out for him in Scott Fishbowl, but him and Hawkinson, of course, two guys who are going to be here for a while. Great athletes. Who do you like better in Dynasty?
2: Yeah, the former teammates, too, man. <sighs> yep used to be uh, yeah there we go used to be uh I feel like Hawkinson had the better long-term situation with Stafford there but now it's anyone's guess as to what's going on and with that in mind I think I lean Noah Fant actually man what he did as a rookie was nothing short of exceptional in terms of his ability after the catch I mean I think only George Kittle averaged more yards after the catch in 2019 and last year like we didn't see the breakthrough per se but for him to still go 62 catches 673 yards I mean playing 15 games and he was banged up in every single one of those man i mean this is one of those dudes that was on the injury report each and every week shoulder at one point you know multiple leg injuries going on just toughing it out and still making plays despite again not being anywhere close to 100 so from what i've seen i just think fant is the better receiver so in a neutral dynasty situation because again i'm not really giving either guy the nod in terms of their surrounding environment i'll take my chances but no offense
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Ian Raider football here. Vic Taffer of The Athletic said this week he projects that Henry Ruggs is going to start at Z. Brian Edwards going to start at X. Renfro in the slot. That means John Brown will be on the outside looking in or will mix in as a fourth wide receiver. Do you believe that? And if so, with Brian Edwards currently the third wide receiver taken in best ball ADP, is he the big value here? Talk about Edwards versus Smoke Brown and what you think about the noise we're hearing coming from Raider camp.
2: I Believe it because that was what it was last year before, uh, you know, Edwards got hurt or whatever it was before week four, and that's when, uh, you know, we saw Nelson Aguilar get into the lineup. Now, obviously, Aguilar proved that he deserved to be in there. I mean, that dude was absolutely fantastic, uh, last year, but yeah, I think it absolutely should be Edwards here. John Brown, man, loved the guy. You know, well, he was a wide receiver 19 two years ago, it was Josh Allen's yep. number one, so I'm not saying he couldn't uh, do it, but it's just, you know. Anytime a wide receiver is switching teams, that's already, you know, a bit of a red flag. And then when we got to throw in the fact that, you know, he struggled to stay healthy his whole career. And this is one of those things where truly, you know, the whole injury-prone issue uh, could be a little more uh, on the table than usual with ho- with, with his whole uh, sickle cell trait history and all that going on as well. So, unfortunately, yeah, like, man, give me the second-year receiver that seems to have a lot more uh, near-term upside. You know, I hope that Smokey Brown gets the, gets the damn job done. But uh, he's projecting as the number four wide receiver already behind these guys. And I just don't really see a way of him, uh, you know, getting in front without an injury with for rugs and uh, Edwards. I'm not just going to, you know, shoot from the hip and project to happen.
1: Summertime coming. Covid starting to go in the rearview mirror. Salt or no salt on the margarita?
2: I like a little bit, not a ton. I was actually at Elvacaera uh, last night. I will say my biggest God. my biggest switch in the summer is I go like almost full beer, and then somewhere around November I'm drinking nothing except red wine. So I gotta start figuring out like an official date to make the transition and have a true celebration. But yeah, when I'm having my margs, uh, give me a little bit of salt. Put that date on Twitter.
1: I will support <laughs> you there. You got a great you're the gift master. You got a gift out there. It'll be great. It'll be fantastic. Somebody asked this tube mailbag to go. I'm using it as a question. Where do you prefer to draft in seasonal leagues? Do you have a preference?
2: Right now, I'm liking uh, top three because I, it's, you, you end up being pretty close uh, on the turn anyway, as long as you're not in one of these new uh, third-round reversal leagues, which I, I, I like yeah. the concept of, uh, actually. Uh, but yeah, I would say top three. Give me one of McCaffrey, Dalvin, or Saquon. and I'm feeling good about uh, you know, hopefully getting one of those wide receivers or uh, Darren Waller at uh, the second-round turn.
1: Lisa in Atlanta wrote in, loves the mailbag. So glad you have Ian coming on. Can you ask him about the Falcons offense now that Julio is gone? Ridley's great. Pitts has the draft capital. Zacchaeus Gage, dare I say his man crush, quarterback Patterson. The defense for the Falcons looking bad again. We have the the off-the-field issues with Parcavius Mingo. What's the key
2: fantasy value besides the obvious for Atlanta this year? Yeah, Ridley, wide receiver five. Everyone gets that. Uh, it was funny last year when uh, Tariq Cohen went down, and like there were actual waiver wire pieces about Cordero, and everyone was like, "It's time at Iheartit's." And I was like, "No, it's not." People <laughs> like I love the, I love the guy. I am the president of his fan club, but I was like, "He's not going to get a big role. It's just going to be the David Montgomery show." So no, I, I don't see uh see Pat getting a large enough role to be fancy relevant, unfortunately. But uh, you know, I look forward to him getting his yearly uh, one or two kick returns for a touchdown. I think Gage makes sense, but he's starting to pop as you know much as he is. I think yeah, Zacchaeus is gonna be the ultimate value in this offense in terms of just pure uh you know ADP versus projection. So I'd say Zacchaeus, uh, you know, Pitts. Pitts is someone where I don't disagree with, you know, ranking him as high as a lot of people are. I do have him as my tight end five, but I don't think I've been able to draft him once because people are taking this dude in like round five or something. So I, I bet he'll be great. And that tight end, I do think he'll join uh, Gronk and Evan Ingram as the only rookie tight end one since 2010. I just, you know, that's a steep price to pay for someone that we still have, uh, some questions with. So I would say, uh, you know, Zacchaeus and don't sleep on Mike Davis. You know, we've had a lot of talk about the RB dead zone. And to me, the RB dead zone isn't as much about the RBs. It's it's more about the wide receivers you're passing on. If you draft these guys in rounds, like, you know, three, four, five, but when we're starting to see guys like Mike Davis, Travis, Etienne Chase Edmonds falling in the rounds, like six or seven okay now we're talking like that's a value if you're asking me between mike davis and like a borderline wide receiver three that's where i'm considering mike davis before it was like mike davis or you know like mike evans chris Godwin. no i'm taking the far better wide receiver in that scenario so just remember you know we don't hate players we hate adps so when these things start to correct themselves when every single analyst is screaming the whole summer not to draft running backs at some point they do start to become values
1: Yeah. And Mike Davis last year really did perform. It was his first time getting that workload, but he was, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey light is basically what he was. So if he can stay healthy, they're going to project for a lot of pass volume for sure. He's going to be involved in the receiving game. Next question got it from Matthew Freeman on Twitter over at FTN uh, at Matt F the Oracle. He put out a poll, Ian, what fantasy tight end would you rather have for the next three years? So sort of a dynasty question. Four options. They're all pretty much even. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts. What say you?
2: I'm still going to go Travis Kelsey. I just didn't see a single sign of him dropping off last year. If anything, he looked almost better than ever after the catch. I mean, some of the things he was doing earlier in the year. And then, you know, he's putting freaking Denzel Ward of all people in the the freaking blender in the uh, you know AFC divisional (laughs) round. Like, the dude's unstoppable. And even in the Super Bowl, the dude had 10 catches for 133 yards. Like, you know, I I love some of the arbitrary cutoffs we do with uh, guys sometimes talking about, you know, like, oh, in his last 13 and a half games and this and that. But if you want to play that game and you look at Kelsey's last 11 games, he's literally caught at least seven passes and each and every one scored a touchdown, like all but three of them. Like it's just absurd. And let's say he does start to fade. Like I can't imagine a better situation to, you know, kind of go into your twilight years than that, as Patrick Mahomes is number one tight end. Dude's a beast. Andy Reid knows how to use him where they're not overwhelming him with blocking. And again, we just haven't seen a sign of a drop off so far. I, I actually did this uh, study last year, like when's like kind what years of a player's career are they usually turning in, you know, QB1, RB1, wide receiver 1, tight end 1 seasons. Running back as you'd expect, you know, pretty much starts falling off after 3 or 4 all the way around. Wide receivers we still see some spikes in that second contract area. Quarterbacks and tight ends where guys that have been in the league for 10 plus years still manage to put up big time numbers. So, you know, you got to you definitely got to consider age, but Kelsey and what he's been able to do, uh, I'll take my chances there.
1: Uh, your PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, you're doing great things, man. You now have guests coming on, you have NFL players coming on, crazy stuff. Antonio Gibson recently, you did 10 questions to Antonio Gibson. I'm fully on Gibson season. What did you learn from interviewing him? It's pinned to your Twitter account there, folks. Take a listen. And do you have him? I sort of have him as a high end, like an RB6 or higher. I think he's going to have a massive season. McKissick is still there. What did you learn from Gibson and where do you have him?
2: Right now, I have him RB14, which feels low, man. Like, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Like, I do think as high as RB6 would make sense. Like, he is in that tier. The question is just how involved is Dady freaking McKissick, who led the position in targets last year. You know, how involved is he going to be? But the two big takeaways for me with Gibson were, one, he says the toe is fine, which I even if it's not, I'm happy he's going in with that mindset. So uh, that was good to hear. And then he well, just talked about how Rivera and company just didn't want to put too much on his plate in you one wanted him to focus more at running back and now he's saying that he's going to be used a lot more in the past game and as a receiver so uh the one note with McKissick while he did have all those targets 51 came in the slot or out wide so when you have guys like Curtis Samuel Adam Humphreys now and you know Antonio Gibson expanded role I do think Gibson could get more into that you know 50 to 70 target range uh in an ideal world so yeah it's just you know I still think maybe some guys like Najee Harris, Cam Akers, Mixon might have a chance of being the solo running back in their backfield. But, you know, more I look at it, you know, Gibson might have a claim over, you know, even guys like Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb as these, you know, more run heavy guys like Gibson probably should push to equal the carries with those guys. And I think he has a higher ceiling as a receiver. So with that in mind, yeah, I can see where you're coming from as a high end RB1. PFF put out your favorite
1: wide receiver draft targets here. Seasonal, you're above consensus on these players. Just want to get quick thoughts on each one of them. I, Ian, I think Michael Thomas is being forgotten about. I've been in camp Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill is eventually going to start there. I know people are saying Jameis Winston, but regardless, regardless, Thomas is gonna siphon those targets like that gif of that cartoon character eating those hot dogs or burgers. Where are you and Michael Thomas here? Why are you have? I think you have met wide receiver six.
2: I've met wide receiver six. Yeah, I mean, the dude was people act like he busted last year. The dude got freaking uh, awful ankle injury the freaking first week of the year. Toughed out the rest of the game. Comes back, manages to go for over a hundred yards in two of his four games with Taysom freaking Hill under center. A year after, he also balled out with Teddy Bridgewater. Under center, And mm-hmm. it's like people still have the audacity to like slander him with this slant boy stuff. Like he's the problem. Like, no, he's playing with this old man breeze who can't throw the ball more than 30 yards downfield. Taysom was a tight end and Teddy, who we know, you know, doesn't have the arm strength. So Michael Thomas, if you look at what he's done, when they have asked him to go deep, he's actually been one of the better receivers in terms of just his percentage of catchable passes caught. So I, it's weird to say, you know, the best could still be to come for someone that has a single season reception record, but I think it could be the case you know, as long as Jameis wins that job. And even if, you know, Taysom wins the job, we're still looking at a player who feasibly could have a target total starting with a two by the end of the season if things go his way. So yeah, man, Michael Thomas, you know, I think people get mad when he's like thrown in like the top five real life wide receiver conversation, which I wouldn't put him in there. But in terms of, you know, just wide receivers that are the undisputed alpha in their offense, you know, he's one of only six or seven guys like that in the league. So yeah, to me, wide receiver six, and that's a bargain. He could finish as the overall wide receiver receiver one and we wouldn't bat nine.
1: I'm doing an article on Najee Harris and that Pittsburgh offensive line, they they cut DeCastro, Castro, who looks like he's probably going to retire a lot of changes. They were the second highest passing team last year in the NFL percentage wise just behind Jacksonville. Let's talk about Deontay Johnson wide receiver 20 by consensus. Ben, arm strength issues, but they pass a lot, and I don't think their offensive line has improved that much. Harris is going to be there. You're higher in consensus than Deontay.
2: Tell us why. He's been wide receiver 14, man. Only guys with more targets last year. Diggs, Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and Devontae Adams. That was while missing a game and playing fewer than 30 snaps in three other games. Like, he has room to even just regress in the target department and still be more than fine if we can get the efficiency up a little bit, which is more from Ben. We can talk about the drops, but, like, come on. like If we're, not, if we're holding it against Deontay Johnson, like hold it against Jerry Judy, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Tyree point, Kill, all, point, the, all yeah. those guys had at least nine drops drops last year as well and when you know you say and I, I've had people ask this question it's reasonable I mean, you should be thinking about these things where they say well those guys had a h- higher average target def and you know Deontay's is closer to the line next gen stats has literally come out with a study showing how the drop rates are higher closer to the line of scrimmage which I think makes sense the ball is coming out faster maybe you're not expecting it and you know if it's off target it's going to be harder to corral and adjust on closer to the line of scrimmage so Deontay while he doesn't have the same sort of you know body efficiency numbers as, you know, third-year breakouts like Ridley and Goblin did. I just think, you know, it's one of these situations where if you watch, you know, a handful of Steelers games over the past few years, you see this dude flashing as a route runner with the ball in his hands and even going downfield and making great catches. So to me, Deontay's special wide receiver that should have true wide receiver one targets should be a wide receiver one or pretty close to it in fantasy land.
1: OBJ at wide receiver 28. Jalen Ramsey just came 22, out. They have a little 22, bit of- 22. Oh, Yeah, you have him at 22. Consensus, right? Yeah, Yeah, OBJ, consensus, wide receiver, 28. Jalen Ramsey came out, and they certainly have a little bit of back and forth. Said OBJ is the second hardest guy he covered. A lot of health issues, but certainly still the main guy in Cleveland. You're higher on him. I agree. Tell me
2: why. I mean, the dude was the wide receiver 19 before we got hurt last year. And we're just like, what, expecting him to be worse or something like that? I just don't buy it, man. OBJ looked fantastic last year. Won a lot of people their weeks in that three touchdown Cowboys game. You know, was putting William Jackson on skates. Route running looked awesome. And, you know, for Baker to get better in the second half of the year without him, it's like, really, we think that they're better off with Rashad Higgins, you know, Kadero Hodge on the outside than Odell freaking Beckham. Like, I understand. Like, look, a lot of people were saying that josh allen couldn't you know produce without john brown because of like three game splits last year use your head with some of this people russell wilson's average fewer yards per attempt uh, in the last two seasons than he did in 2018 is dk metcalf the problem of course not but we have used this freaking argument for beckham and it just pisses me off to my bones uh with it so i know the target share isn't as high as it used to be with the giants which is a real issue to worry about but that's why he's going as a freaking you know Mid-tier, wide receiver three at this point. He's never been cheaper, and I still maintain the best version of OBJ with the best version of Baker produces a wide receiver one season.
1: And the last one, rookie Devonta Smith. All questions about his thin mass, his frame. Over with Philadelphia, new coaching staff. He's wide receiver 36 for consensus. You have him much higher. Tell
2: us why. Yeah, I got him 26, man. I just think, you know, looking at what he's been – what he was able to do at Alabama, like if we saw – even like one example of his size being an issue. Maybe I consider uh, making a problem of it myself, but we didn't see that. And like, where do we draw the line with the size? I always hear it about Devonte Smith, but you know, when everyone's hyping up Darnell Mooney, you know, they don't mention that he's only 176. So great. You know, cool. Yeah, yep. so, so maybe we draw the line, you know, at like two, two at well or something like down at that point. But mm-hmm. I think for, uh, you know, Devonte again, for it not to be an issue on the field, uh, I'm just not going to make it one. And, and with that in mind, I mean, this dude is fresh off of the, best damn seasons we've ever seen from a wide receiver like his worst games last year was going seven catches 73 yards against tennessee and he had 22 yards versus arkansas but he also had a punt return touchdown so literally hit the 130 yard mark in nine of 13 games undisputed number one pass game option already in an offense that you know will be run heavy but i don't you know necessarily think they'll be like bottom five of the league in uh pass attempts or anything like that so while jalen hurts does have some passing problems we did see him go for 300 yards twice Already, you know, already got the uh you know connection with Devonte from their time back in ba- Alabama together. I just think that, you know, he's someone that again at his value. Like we're drafting him way closer to his floor and ceiling. And I think he's gonna be the latest rookie wide receiver to make a lot of good things happen in year one.
1: Folks, don't forget Devonta Smith was so good last year that Najee Harris could not be a Heisman finalist with 30 touchdowns at <laughs> <in> Alabama. <laughs> Let's just keep that in mind. Ian, you're great with the predictions, man. Every year I have you on, you nail
2: it. Give me a couple breakout players you like this year. Adam Troutman, legit tight end one. I have him right there at the bottom as my tight end 12. You know, they do have Nick Vanette there. Like, they could run this, you know, annoying two tight end thing. But, I don't know. Troutman was their, you know, top pick from the 2019 draft. We saw him start to play a lot more as last season went on. And, you know, while the catches were few and far between, we did see him flash, you know, some legit uh, nice route running ability. This particular pivot route he ran against the Falcons, like, truly was a thing of beauty. So, we've always loved these Saints tight ends. we Just in recent years, we haven't really seen, uh, you know, guys consistently get, uh, you know, high end stuff. But at the same time, Jared Cook has been, you know, a more than solid fantasy producer, particularly in 2019 when they had less of, uh, you know, quarterback issues going on. But you know, I'm old enough to remember the Kobe Fleener days where we were just ticketing this yes. guy for the next uh, big Jimmy Graham role. And when you look at this offense, it's like, okay, we know Michael Thomas is the one. Kamara is going to most likely be the two and targets. travelman could easily be the three. So you know, whether it's him, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, like these. These are all guys that one of them needs to step up. And I think Troutman, you know, as just as far as late-round tight ends are go, he's uh, the best option you can probably get this year. Other guy I would say is Mike Williams. And, yes. you know, I'm not uh – you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that I think he has the talent. I'm just, you know, a little worried about the overall targets thrown his way. I mean, how can a guy that already has a thousand yard season and 10 touchdown season I think he actually scored like 11 uh, overall. He has those to his name. He's never even had triple digit targets in a single year. Hopefully no Hunter Henry and just a full year. Justin Herbert leads to uh, Mike, you know, getting the targets that I think he deserves one of the more overqualified number two wide receivers. We've seen briefly, I mean, the Saints game uh, last year, the Chiefs game from a couple years ago Mm -hmm. we've had these instances where Keenan Allen does miss a little bit of time and Mike looks like the alpha number one that you know he was drafted to be at number four overall so Mike Williams if the guy could just you know take care of himself a little bit more when he's coming down with these uh Mm -hmm. you know high contested catches dude always hits the you know ground like a freaking bag of bricks if he can just stay healthy get a little more targets I think he can make big things happen with DFS
1: superstar for that chief game and that saint game man totally remember it well Help us out here, Ian, with Tampa Bay. Nelson Su just put out an article, just saw this morning. He had Tom Brady's sort of, you know, bold predictions. Tom Brady would be the QB1. Here's my question. There's value there. Prolific offense, defending Super Bowl champions. Evans had a great year. Godwin, Antonio Brown now for a full season. Gronk is there multiple backs that can catch and good old Tom Brady. They're going to score. They're going to put points up. I remember that charger game last year. They came back in. Where is the value the fantasy value? Rich Rebar came on a couple weeks ago, made a bold prediction, said none of them are going to be league winners because they're all going to cancel each other
2: out. I could see it either way. What are you doing with Tampa Bay this year? I think Goblin and Evans are just going about where they should be going. I mean, last year they were. Goblin was a wide receiver 15 and PPR points per game. Evans, wide receiver 16. I have them right around there they're there in your draft you know wouldn't uh, be against scooping them but Antonio Brown is definitely the value in the situation I mean he was the wide receiver 23 in PPR points per game last year he had 74 targets in 12 games after he entered the offense Evans had 84 Goblin had 85 and the ADP like Brown I think he's he's been sliding up uh, as he should be but he's still like in the low 40s high 30s range at worst so AB is a spot you can get value from I understand there are some questions to start the offseason about him being back and being healthy we've had those an, uh, answer with a uh, flying color so far. So AB is the value the running backs. I'm just concerned that Giovanni Bernard is going to take the targets away from mm-hmm. Fournette and Rojo. I mean, they combined for 90 targets last year as we saw Fournette, you know, by default was basically the better receiving back uh, of the duo. But if we get in the situation now where it's more like 2019 Tampa Bay where, you know, Dari was playing just as much as uh, Rojo and Peyton Barber, that's going to be problematic. But I think the presence of Gio hurts Fournette more than Rojo, you you know, credit to lombardi Lenny, that was a great stretch he had, but I think when yeah, Rojo yeah. was healthy throughout the year, uh, and even just you know, looking at their uh, statistics as pure rushers, it wasn't even close in terms of who was the uh, better overall back. So I do think Rojo, where they're going, is the value. Haven't been getting a ton of them there. I'm, I'm pretty content to take, you know, A.J. Dillon, you know, or one of the handcuffs a couple picks later more uh, times than not. But if I had to pick one of those backs, Rojo, and to their credit, they you know, solid zero RB options with how cheap they are.
1: Where do you have Brady, Ian? For your quarterbacks, curious. No rushing
2: upside, obviously, but we got Brady in your ranks. He is my QB 10, one spot ahead of Burrow, Tannehill. But yeah, he's just top of that uh, second tier that, you know, concludes guys that just doesn't have any sort of, uh, you know, rushing upside. Give me something
1: you can't wait to do now that COVID is slowly coming out of the rearview mirror. What do you think here? Give me something you're looking forward to doing this summer.
2: I want to get back to, uh, I don't know if I'll get there this summer, but I love going to UFC fights, man. I've probably been to like seven or eight here overall. I was going to go to McGregor Poirier 3. I went to McGregor Khabib and uh, McGregor Cowboy, but the prices for that last uh, card were out of control uh, with everyone's psyched uh, to be back. So I'll I'll get there again. But in my opinion, uh, you know, MMA and uh, hockey, I think, are just two of the best sports you can go to and a live uh you know at a live event so it'll be good to get out there man it was pretty cool when they were fighting uh you know from the apex which is just like no fans or anything like that And you could really hear the shots and the fighters uh talking shit sometimes but there's nothing like you know just big electric crowds and i've really enjoyed that fight atmosphere over the years
1: And the McGregor-Poirier fight itself was not great, but that
2: card was crazy. I mean, that was a great, great fight card. For sure, for sure. Sugar Sean O'Malley was making some things happen with that. Zombie of a neon green-haired dude just kept walking forward. I loved it. yes. You got a favorite video game growing up. I'm trying
1: to get my kids into retro games here. They're going back to Mario Kart. You got a favorite video game growing up?
2: Yeah, Zelda, Ocarina Arena, Ocarina of Time or whatever on the uh, old N64. Oh, man, you know, having that Hyrule feel and stuff to go yes. run around with uh, Epona and all that. I, I break it out every like maybe three or four years and, you know, just like go through all the all the uh, steps to beat it again. I have to pull out the strategy guide at the Water Temple as an adult. That thing just makes no sense. Yes. Uh, Sense. But yeah, that, that was the game that I found myself uh, playing a ton. And then, you know, to this day, though, NCAA football 14, I still, so cool. uh, you know, get my hours in on a weekly basis. I'm, you know, the, the, the two things I think I'm best at if I had to like rank myself against the entire world are fly swatting <laughs> and playing NCAA football at 14.
1: And putting out gifts for sure, man. Yeah. And identifying swag. I mean, come on. You asked Gibson about the swag. That was my favorite. That's my favorite question. Who's the swag he's running
2: back? Yeah, he picked no, him great up great call. He nailed it. Yeah, he picked
1: him up, of course. Great call. You put out an awesome uh, article on PFF 100 fantasy questions in 100 days. Folks, you got to read it. Certainly, we're not going to go through each and every one. I just wanted to grab three that I saw that I thought were fantastic. We talked about Swift a little bit. or league winner. You still in on Swift here?
2: A little more trap, I think. RB17. Look, again, if he's sliding down to around 4-5, then I'm more okay taking him. But to look at this guy, you know, and potentially a second or third round, I just think too many questions about his role. It could easily be a split backfield between him and Jamal Williams. So I think Williams is just a way better uh, value. What I find when I'm doing my
1: research and projections for teams, Ian, is I'm putting Justin Jefferson... Higher and higher. That rookie season was incredible in in an offense really consolidated, but not a high passing volume offense. Jefferson versus Thielen. What do you think? You nailed Thielen last year when you came on the pod. You had him. Your bold prediction, I think, you had him at wide receiver six. He ended up being wide receiver eight, wide receiver seven. So, talk to me about Minnesota here, Jefferson versus Thielen in 2021.
2: Well, I did that projection because I was like, who the hell else is going to be getting targets here? And Justin <laughs> Jefferson ends up leading the way in targets by a decent chunk. Luckily, Thielen caught, you know, 14 scores to save my ass. And I don't really see that happening again this year. So, I'm with consensus here uh, with Justin Jefferson. He's my wide receiver nine. If you want to mark him up, you know, a spot or two, that's fine. But, you know, I sat him behind DK Metcalf and then it's Basically nothing except you know alpha number one target hogs uh, and Tyree kill so I think uh, you know Jefferson deserves to be anyone's idea of a top ten uh, wide receiver in redraft and I consider him the dynasty wide receiver one uh, overall so you know keep riding uh, the Jefferson train Thielen you know at this point we are starting to age a little bit and you know I just don't think we're gonna get that same level of touchdown upside so I have him down wide receiver twenty eight haven't been getting a ton of him uh, in drafts so far hey maybe he could keep it going you know it's not like he's just worn with this overwhelming athleticism over the years. He could age well. He has the connection with Kirk Cousins. But, you know, we already started to see Cousins just, you know, starting to treat Jefferson as the, you know, fairly, you know, undisputed number one. And I think that could continue to grow in 2021 and beyond.
1: One of the most important things we do in redraft is we find value on bad teams. Last year, look at James Robinson, ended up getting the volume, was a league winner in a lot of ways. You looked at Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. I feel right now, Ian, that people are ignoring the Patriots. Recency bias is setting in. There is value there. Is it Jacoby Myers? Is it Nelson Aguilar? Which one of these tight ends, if any, do you like? They just cancel each other out. If you can nail it right, I think you're getting a great value. But what do you think about Henry uh, and Janu in New England? Yeah, it's
2: weird. Like, it's, I think underdog has them closer. I'm looking at fantasy football calculator ADP right now, which, you know, can be a little iffy until August and people really get going. But right now, Hunter Henry is a tight end 10. Johnny's a tight end 17. I mean, I have Johnny ranked higher. I think he has the potential to legit, you know, get some more creative usage than Henry. And, you know, the one thing Bill belichick has noted is Johnny's ability to legit play a little bit of running back out there. And, you know, the, you know, Aaron Hernandez story. Corey, you know, has a lot of twists and turns, obviously, but he did actually <laughs> play running back for stretches uh, in that offense. So if they plan on using Johnny like that, man, I mean, with all due respect to Hunter Henry, I, he, he can do a decent Gronk impression, but I could see Jonu just getting more overall touches and being more efficient with them with how much of a monster he can be after the catch and all that. So I'd say Jonu is the value. And, you know, if, if they're going more in the, you know, kind of upside tight end two range i think they're both fine like again we, we don't hate players we hate these adps and when guys like you know austin hooper were going like top 10 last year like okay that was a situation being drafted far closer to his ceiling than his floor but if both these guys are upside tight end twos that makes sense i mean we can get them there and god forbid an injury happens to one of them now we're looking at a consistent you know top eight option
1: Yep, and John, who last year, that rushing value really kept him. He didn't have a ton of volume, volume in Tennessee, but he got that touchdown. And for tight end position, you get that rushing touchdown, you break off a 30, 40-yard run, you've re- you've returned your value for sure in seasonal leagues. Man, you seem like a guy who is fearful of nothing. <laughs> so fear factor, it, what, is there a thing that like you won't do? You seem like yeah, MMA fighter, the whole thing. You're all over the place. Is there something that would make Ian Hardis go, ah, you know what, let's slow it down?
2: I Feel like when you you know you, you got to be on like the kickoff team in like a legit high school game, and you know you're just running down like a madman with people trying to take your head off, you kind of just lose sight of a lot of fear. Uh, after that, the one thing though is spiders, man. If you put spiders on the football okay, field, yes. I'd be freaking out on fear factor. What I, sure. I, I can't handle, and that's the one thing I'll like, you know, ask the girl to take care of, even if they're in the apartment. <laughs> like, you know, if I really have to conquer my fears, I guess I'll do it. But oh, miss me with the spiders, man. I'll take down pretty much anything else, but uh, just something- about him, i i just hate him screw him
1: yeah we watch we're watching impractical jokers recently and one of them had uh one of the old ones had uh one of the guys getting tarantulas all over uh, his body he was chained uh, down no not no, my thing no stop it, no. Stop it. <laughs> no thanks give me a uh a round three rookie pick here dynasty league so a later round pick in dynasty leagues that you said you know what i think there can be a second half impact in fantasy this year
2: does josh palmer apply
1: Darn right it does. All right, absolutely. Let's
2: go. He has a legit chance to just be the wide receiver three uh with the Chargers already. You know they picked up Mike Williams' option, but they didn't give him a long term deal yet. Which means by 2022, Palmer could be Justin Herbert's number two freaking wide receiver. So that sounds uh, pretty great for me. I know his stats at in Tennessee weren't fantastic, but you know one of the things I remember reading from the PFF uh, draft guy, which Mike Renner always does, fantastic to work, work with yeah. every year. You know he almost comped him to Terry McLaurin, where he said he's not The same, you know, caliber athlete per se, but we can project him like as doing be able to do more at the NFL level because you know he did show off a lot more ability, I think, at the senior bowl than he was necessarily asked to do at Tennessee. So he's got the third round cap draft capital, you know, 77th overall pick. And I think, uh, you know, him and you know, even in the same category, Diami Brown from Washington are in like similar mm-hmm. positions where, yeah, I, I see why the path you know is a little bit uh, muddled to get there in 2021, but we might just only be. A year or two away from some seriously big things happening.
1: It comes down, man, with me to projecting how you think things are going to go. If someone did not like Mike Williams, then there's going to be opportunity there with Herbert passing in the Chargers offense. So if you don't like Mike Williams, you're concerned about the injury history. Talk, take a look at Palmer, maybe just, you know, watch him on the waiver wire because whoever steps in there is going to produce. I mean, Jalen Guyton even had some games, so there's going to be opportunities there for the Chargers. I love the call with Palmer. Absolutely. Man, you've been great. You've killed it. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. Like I said earlier, you nailed it last year with Thielen. I want the bold prediction. Give me the Ian Hardis bold prediction this year that people are going to say, you know what? Hardest was right. Should have listened to him.
2: I think Joe Mixon outperforms every single second year RB. Akers, Jonathan oh. Taylor, Antonio Gibson, Clyde. I think Mixon finishes ranked ahead of all of them. Stop it with your, you know, I'm ready to be heard again. Michael Scott, the we say this every year with Mixon. He was the RB 10 overall in 2018, RB 13 overall in 2019, RB 10 in PPR points per game in 2020. And this is not the same situation. The one guy that was holding him back as a receiver is gone. You know, okay, Chris Evans is fine. He's a six round pick Samaj Piron is a limited receiver Travion Williams isn't bringing much to the table at least compared to what we saw at least relative to what we saw last season Mixon has always been someone that we knew could catch the ball I mean look at what he did with Baker at Oklahoma like actually Tracking balls deep down the field, they gave him a four-year, like forty-eight million-dollar deal. Like he has, a, if you just look at pure projection for opportunity, Mixon is like a top-six running back in terms of what he could be capable of. So literally, there, you know, we, we have a new, uh, you know, that they asked the coach about the whole uh, backfield, and you know, I think the head coach said like we don't want Joe to play seventy-five snaps per game. Well, like McCaffrey's hit that number twice. Like what, what more do you want? He's going to play a, over eighty percent snaps, which is all we can ask for from anyone around the league. So Mixon, to me, just has all the opportunity. And the only reason he's as cheap as he is is because people are pissed off he got hurt last year. Never mind he's played 14 games in every other season of his career. You know, like we don't worry about the injury-prone thing for McCaffrey or Saquon or these other guys that were hurt last year. We just tend to blame Mixon for it. So it's a new situation with an extending offense that I think we all expect to put up plenty of points. Mixon's going to be the guy to hopefully uh, complete that. And, you know, before you say, oh, take away his Jaguars game from last year. No, he made those plays happen. Like, all right, take away every, you know, trash defense that Jonathan Taylor ran over in the final five Good games call. of last year. Yep. Like, come on, we can do it with Dave Montgomery. We can do it even with Derrick Henry uh, to an extent. So no, we don't do it with those guys. And I'm not saying we should just don't do it with Joe Mixon then either. And prior
1: to him getting hurt, you know, teams tell us their intentions by what they do, not what they say. Sometimes they fed him the ball. And every single comment coming out of Cincinnati is we're going to feed Joe Mixon. So even if you don't like coach Beak, do you really think it's going to be bizarro land where they're saying this consistently and their actions dictated it last year? Nobody and now had more touches than home? him before he got hurt. It's not that hard, yeah. man. Come on. Great, great call with Mixon. Folks, Ian Harditz, PFF, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Amazing follow. Hilarious guy. Just a great, great guy overall. Predictions are always on the money. Follow him on Twitter at iHeart. It's Ian. It's a pleasure, my friend. Keep killing it. I got the Fear the Deer shirt on here. You got Uh Iverson behind you. So fingers crossed for a Bucks win tonight. But thanks so much for coming on. Awesome job,
2: man, as always. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. And yeah, best of luck to everyone out there. And, And all your fantasy drafts this year.